Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Well, today is a fifth Sunday, so if you are an elementary age student, you know what that means. That means there is no Kids Cove this morning, so a number of you are in um, this, the main room with the sermon today. So on your, if your parents grabbed one of these when they came in, on the other side, there's a little outline that you can fill in the blank um, as I go through this morning's sermon. And I'm going to need your, kids, I'm going to need your help with a couple of things. One is coming up here in a moment, so pay attention. But throughout the sermon this morning, I may be asking you some questions uh, just to help the rest of us out. Uh, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll jump into today's subject. And if you have a Bible, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are active among us, and we pray that we would experience your activity today. We would see more of you. We would understand this biblical concept of rest. We would be encouraged and really experience the peace that you promise your kids through Jesus and ask for your help to teach your word this morning. We ask this in your name. Amen. Well, today we are in Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to be in the first half of the book. And the big subject today is spiritual rest, which is kind of an abstract concept. And so we're going to kind of slowly work through it. Uh, but to kind of get our mind working Uh, maybe in a way that would prepare us for the the passage today, is raise your hand if you've ever been whitewater rafting. So, good, we got a lot of you. So, uh, whitewater rafting is one of those weird things that you pay a bunch of money to get in a rubber boat um, to go on a very dangerous journey for a, a period of time, and you, at some point, if it's a good one, you might wonder, why am I doing this, and will I live to make it through the end of this? But usually, um, in in a good whitewater rapid journey, uh, there's, there's peaceful times in the middle. So usually at the beginning, it's pretty calm. And sometimes after you've been really at it for a while and you're holding your paddle and trying not to fall out, um, there comes another time where it's just kind of calm and you can get your breath and you can think, oh no, we gotta do this again. And then you go in again and then it happens again. And then at the end, it's usually pretty calm. Well, I want you to have that image in your mind as we go through today's passage because in many ways, life can be like that. It can, it can start out maybe kind of slow, kind of calm, and then it really ramps up and gets very difficult and seems almost impossible. Then it might calm down again. Then it might ramp up again. Then it might calm down again. Well, what we're gonna see in this passage today is that for those who know Jesus, those who put their trust in Jesus and have a personal relationship with Jesus, it's actually possible to find rest, not just in those tranquil moments, but in the middle of the chaos, the middle when the water is raging, it is actually possible to experience internal peace, joy, and satisfaction in God. And the author of Hebrews is going to teach us how to do that. Kids, I I need your help right now. So here's what I need you to do. There's going to be a timer up here in a second. 
And the timer should say two minutes once it's up. And what I want you to do, kids, when the timer um, goes off, not yet, but when it goes off, um, once it hits zero, I want you to yell stop really loud. So even if I'm mid-sentence, you're allowed to interrupt me, okay? Because what I'm gonna try to do to help us understand this passage today is show and talk about the idea of biblical rest the whole way through the Bible. So from Genesis 1 to the very last chapter of Revelation. So I see no timer. We're working on the timer. Okay, oh, we're going. Okay, so here we go. So in the, the book of Genesis, God creates the world, does it in six days. What's he do on the seventh day? He rests. And then in Genesis 3.15, uh, sin enters the world, or Genesis 3, sin enters the world, and Adam and Eve, their rest, their spiritual rest and peace is gone. Internal chaos has begun, and God promises in Genesis 3.15 that there will be a remedy to that. So then we fast forward, might need to peek. Um, I'm good, I can slow down. We, we, pass, we fast forward, so to the time of Moses. God's people are enslaved in Egypt, God hears their cry, sends Moses to deliver them, and Moses leads his people out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, into the wilderness, and there's a promised land that's promised. The, the Israelites rebel against God and his command, so the first generation is not allowed to enter the rest. Joshua then is raised up to lead God's people. In the middle of that, still doing okay, um, God gives the 10 commandments to Moses, what is the fourth commandment? Anybody know it? Sabbath, to, to rest, to have one day a week of rest. Then we, we fast forward, we're now in the days of King David, and King David realizes that they are in the promised land, but they're not experiencing the peace and rest that they thought they would. He writes Psalm 95, which we're gonna see quoted this morning. Then we fast forward all the way to Jesus' birth, and the Savior comes, and through Jesus' coming, we learn that rest and peace internally is possible. He's the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15. Then in the book of Revelation, the very last chapter, we see there's gonna be an ultimate rest with God's people, no more tears, pain, or sorrow. How'd I do? <laughs> Thank you. Happy New Year. So if you go through the Bible, you'll see these promises of rest. And what's gonna happen in our sermon today, you guys did a great job, by the way, um, is in Hebrews chapter four, it's a little confusing, but verses one through 13, the author is gonna be talking about these different ideas of rest that we see in the Bible. That's why the overview um, was necessary. So we're gonna now start at verse one. Kids, in your notes, it says, God has promised to, and then there's a blank. Who knows the answer to that blank? God has promised to what? Give us, I know it's on the board, uh, but nobody's reading it for some reason. <laughs> God has, this is an easy test, guys. God has promised to give us what? Rest. He has promised to give us rest. So let's look at Hebrews 4, 1 through 5. I'm a little out of breath. I thought I was in better shape than this. So <laughs> Hebrews 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us 
just as it came to them. The them there is the first generation of Israelites wandering the wilderness led by Moses. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter rest. As he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. And we're back in creation. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works, and again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. So you can see this is confusing. I spent a lot of time this week just trying to really think through and understand this in such a way that I could communicate as clear as possible. The big idea is God has promised to give us rest. He has promised those who look to Jesus, they will experience this rest. And that is a real gift. And, and, and part of the idea here is when God rested after he made the world just by speaking to this incredible creation, uh, day after day, he speaks, creation is created. The seventh day, he rested, but he didn't rest because he was tired. See, God doesn't get tired. He rested because he was satisfied. There was a joyful rest that God experienced, not because he had to, but because he could, because he is fully God and does not get tired or worn out in any way. Well, that same God is the one who promises to give us this deep, joyful satisfaction, this, this internal rest that comes from looking to Jesus and trusting in Jesus. So we'll slow down a little bit more to, to consider one through three a little more carefully. He says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, so what he's talking about is, is in chapter three at the end, he's talking about that first generation of Israelites who, who watched God deliver them miraculously. But many of them, because of their unbelief, did not trust in God. And because they did not trust in God, they began to live lives contrary to God's ways and God's commands. He said, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. So he's using them as an example. Don't, don't be like those people, those Israelites who saw God work powerfully but they didn't believe in him. They didn't actively trust in him. And this word fear here in verse one, let us fear, that, that's, a, that's kind of another abstract concept. So when you, you see the word fear often in the Bible, it's not like the fear of a grizzly bear ripping your head off. Like that's a fear. So if you're out in Colorado and there's a grizzly bear and it's coming after you, that, that's a legit fear. That's not the kind of fear he's talking about here. The fear he's talking about here is this all, this awareness that the God who had no beginning, who powerfully created the world, is, is to be worshiped and we're to stand in awe of his greatness and his majesty. It's like a, a great king coming. Well, that, that fear, that awareness, should cause us to trust in this good news. Verse two says, for good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them. Good news came to us, 
to the original recipients of Hebrews, but also to us in our day and age. The good news that Jesus, God's son, God in the flesh, came into the world to pay for our sins, to rescue us, to set us free, to give us eternal life and rest and satisfaction. That is good news. That is the best news in all the world. But he he has it with a warning. But the message that they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. See, the key to, to knowing God and benefiting from his promises is believing them, is trusting. See, the key to salvation, the key to a personal relationship with Jesus is actually trusting in him. Think of it this way, those of you who will garden um, in the springtime, or in the, especially in the summertime when it gets drier, uh, we, we, depending on your, your house setup and how close it is to the house, you may, um, in drier months, use a hose that you connect to the, the, your house, and then you bring water to the garden. The purpose of the hose is to connect to the source of water so that you have water in the garden for your plants. That, that's what faith is. So faith is the garden hose. Faith is, is the connecting point between the source and where it needs to go. So when we trust in Jesus, we are looking to the source. So it's not faith in our faith. So some of you might think, well, I do believe. I I'm just don't always believe. Uh, and sometimes I have questions and sometimes I'm not sure. You could have a, a garden hose that's a little bit rotten has some holes and leaks in it, but it actually still works because it's connecting you to the source. That's the key that we believe, we trust, and we keep on trusting. No matter how big that hose is or how imperfect that hose is, we keep looking to the source of life. That, that's what he's calling them to do. But the message they heard, they did not, did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. So he's saying, if you truly trust in Jesus, you have a personal relationship with him. You've entered that rest. You have this spiritual reality inside of you that, it, that only comes from having peace with God through God's provision, which is his son. And nothing can get at, at that. Now rest is a, a, spiritual rest is a, it's just a hard concept to get our minds around. So kids, see if your parents have used this trick. This trick we used on our children and we picked it up from other parents. I don't, I don't know who they were, but as kids get older, nap time is like a bad word. So like a younger elementary age kid doesn't want to go to nap time because you're too old for nap time. So somehow some parent, wise parent, told us use rest time. So for years at our house, we had rest time from in the afternoon during the days. And so that's really parent rest time or whoever's home at the time. And it doesn't sound exactly like nap time, but it's this clever, creative thing. The whole idea is that you stop, and particularly for the parent, they get a rest, they get a breather, and then they, they gear back up. So physical rest, we might think of something like rest time or 
Uh, those of you who don't work on Saturdays, it could be Saturdays like a, a restful day. Or you go on vacation and you rest. Well, the rest that the author here is talking about is internal rest. Is the end of striving to earn God's favor. The end of being a slave to your sinful passions and desires. The, the concept, I think you could add other words to it like satisfaction, joy, peace. See, some of us, haven't, some of you have not yet experienced that. You, there's, you look good on the outside, but on the inside, it's just a, a ball of anxious mess. And only Jesus can settle and untangle and, and sort through that ball of anxious mess and give you lasting rest. See, this morning's message is called Finding Rest as Life Rages. In the middle of it, we can actually have peace, joy, and satisfaction. It's not a superficial peace, joy, and satisfaction. It's a deep, restful trust that God is with you, that God is going to keep you, and that God deeply loves you. One example of this is in the book of John. There's a, a woman at a well who, um, her life is, is a bit in shambles. She's had five broken marriages. She's living with a man who's not her husband, so it's just kind of messy. And Jesus comes to her, and he offers her, offers, offers her living water, water that will satisfy forever. And the water he is talking about comes from him, a personal relationship with him. Listen to what he says. So this woman's at a, a physical well. She's trying to draw water out. And Jesus then switches the subject to spiritual life and a spiritual fountain that will never run dry. He says, everyone who drinks of this water, this water out of the bucket, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, this is talking about a deep internal satisfaction that nothing but Jesus can give us. So no amount of money, no kind of relationship, no uh, personal achievements, nothing can satisfy us. All those other things, some of them can be really good. But what happens is when you get that thing, whatever that thing is that you've been thinking, if I get that thing, then I will be satisfied. We all know what happens. You get the thing, and then you want the next thing. And then you get that thing, and then you want the next thing because we're not satisfied. Only Jesus can satisfy us, whether we're young or we're old or somewhere in between. And this promise of rest, one of the incredible things about this promise of rest is that when things are out of control around us, we can still experience peace and joy. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Why? The Lord is at hand present with us. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Your circumstances may not change, but if you cast your cares on the Lord, there will be peace and joy and satisfaction. Yesterday, a number of us really in the church, in the community, and throughout um, all the different high schools in Indiana were at the IUP basketball game and then at the FCA event afterwards, and we got to hear um, a number of testimonies of student athletes who encountered Jesus at some point in their uh, teenage years or college years. And what was interesting and um, just, I think, really caught my attention was a number of the students... You know, these are very capable athletes in different sports. A baseball player, a women's soccer player, a football player, a, bas- a women's basketball player. Um, so a whole variety. Um, but n- a number of them, part of their story of coming to Jesus was this just internal mess inside of them that very few people knew about. And they were restless on the inside And then they called out to Jesus, and Jesus helped them. They experienced real rest. It didn't, for some of them, the the one young woman grew up in a, sound like a very poor situation, so there was pressures all around. Um, And so her circumstances didn't change immediately, but she knew God was with her, and God's peace was upon her. And there can be, this can be true of, those who are younger or those who are older. All the striving, all the internal mess. God knows about it and He's the only one who can settle it once for all. This is why He says in verse 2, for good news came to us, just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who believe enter that rest. See, Jesus is the answer, which brings us to the second point. So kids, get ready. God's ultimate rest comes through who? Jesus. God's ultimate rest comes through Jesus. Through Jesus alone. If you never remember anything else, remember the person of Jesus, fully God fully man. He's the entry point into this relationship. And when our days are at their ends, he's the one who's going to matter the most to all of us. Jesus is our hope in this life and the life to come. God's ultimate rest comes through faith in Jesus. So we look at verse 6. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, the rest, Those who formerly received the good news failed to enter it because of disobedience. And we learned before that their disobedience was really rooted in their unbelief. They didn't believe God and take him at his word. Again, he appoints a certain day and he says, Today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. So now he's quoting Psalm 95. He, they fast forwarded from the wilderness wanderings to King David and, and they are in the promised land but they're not experiencing this ultimate rest that they thought they would because there was something greater coming and the greater coming 
was Jesus. Look at verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. In other words, Joshua was used by God to lead the people into the promised land. And if that promised land was the ultimate rest and peace, then all would have been settled. But that wasn't the case. There was more to be experienced. And that more to be experienced came when Jesus came to earth. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So I told you, the, the author of Hebrews, when he got to chapter 4 under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he was kind of jumping all around. But his point is we who trust in Jesus, we can enter this rest now. We can experience it. And it's an end of striving. So if you grew up in a, a situation, a church situation, where it was a very heavy works-based salvation, you do this, this, and this, and God will love you. You do this, this, and this, and God is going to scowl at you forever. Well, that's a works-based system. What the Bible teaches is that God is holy. He is perfect. No matter what we do, won't be enough to earn God's favor. That sounds like bad news. That is bad news. But the good news is God provides a provision in Jesus, his perfect son, to do what we couldn't do, which is obey him perfectly. So if you trust in Jesus, what you are really trusting in is that he died on the cross for your sins. He perfectly obeyed the Father. God the Father accepts that payment in full for you, and you receive this free gift of salvation that you cannot earn. And so you enter the relationship with God, not by cleaning yourself up, but by receiving the cleansing that Jesus alone can do. And when you step into that, you enter his rest once for all. And the author is saying, today you can enter that rest. How many of you like going to the beach? Who knows this logo behind me that should be up? Just to show hands. Anybody know the brand Salt Life? I, I tried really hard this week to find people in the church that had any gear with Salt Life. I did come up with this. Keep those logos up there for a second. So this is Matt Aiken's Salt Life t-shirt. So nice little Salt Life logo. You can see it. Camera, you can see it. On the back, we got a big fish. The thing I love about I'm a, a beach person. I love the beach. And what's cool about this brand, it's great branding. So Salt Life, and then usually you got flip-flops, you got swordfish, you got all kinds of different beach gear. And the whole concept is that you, you, you want to live the salt life. You want to live um, kind of all the, the things that the beach offers. So get your flip-flops, you get your, your swordfish, you get, you, if, you, if you Google this, don't do it right now, but you get all kinds of images of their, their logo. Well, it's a lifestyle is what they're branding. They are marketing a lifestyle. So when people go to the beach, they're usually on vacation. They're trying to get away from the busyness of their life, and Salt Life is offering a better lifestyle. Just relax. Now, Salt Life gear is a little on the pricey side often, um, so, and all the fun stuff they advertise usually costs a lot of money too, but they don't, they don't mention that part. They're just advertising a lifestyle. Well, I want you to think of this. This is what the Christian life should be 
it should be, rather than salt life, just keep the logo up here, picture Sabbath life. So Sabbath life, Sabbath just means rest. The Christian life really is supposed to be, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through faith in Jesus, a Sabbath life. It's, a, it's to be, we're, we're to be different because we really believe that we have a personal relationship with the living God and that the Lord really is at hand. And so if you buy into that, what the Bible says, so we're not gonna be like the first generation Israelites wandering around and not believing. If we really believe that, we buy into this Sabbath life that we really experience this rest and peace. What will happen, whether we are in a prolonged pandemic or other surprising things happen in our world or in our personal life, it won't rock us the same way because we really find our rest in the Lord. It is a totally different way to live. And it comes from faith in Jesus alone. Well, you might be thinking, that's all well and good, but I don't feel like that. I'm not, I'm not living the Sabbath life here. I'm not experiencing rest and peace. Ask my, my family, ask my friends, ask my, the, the person I just talked to when I walked in the doors this morning. Um, maybe you feel much more like you're living the restless life or the, the just the chaotic life. Even as a Christian, you feel that way. So how do we kind of connect some of the dots? That's what he does in the last few verses we're gonna look at today. Which brings us to the third point. God's rest kids get ready, must be pursued by ongoing, now three things. What are the three things that they, God's rest must be pursued by ongoing what? What's the first one? Starts with an F. Faith. Faith. Second one. And the third one. Great job. Faith, humility, and obedience. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 has this really unexpected phrase that jumps out right away when you look at it. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Let us strive, let us work really hard to rest. It doesn't, it doesn't work in my mind initially. So that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So what is he talking about there? If we're to experience this rest that God makes possible through Jesus, what's the striving part? What he is talking about, I believe, is this active, persevering faith that day after day, you keep believing, you keep trusting. He's not talking about a works-based rest or salvation. See, we are saved by grace alone, through Jesus alone, as a gift from God. But when God's spirit comes inside of us, we now have new desires and abilities and powers from being a new creation to actually obey the Lord. And so it's a call to persevere. Don't rest on the fact that you made a decision for Jesus a long time ago. Actively trust in Jesus today. He's, he's calling us all to persevere. Some of you may have toddlers in your house right now. So I'm, I'm picturing age, like let's say 11 months into the, the two to two year range. If you think about a toddler, 
it is a massive, they, have a, they, they are incredibly um, adept at persevering, at being committed to a task and keep practicing it and doing it until they perfect it. So think about this. So they are born dependent on their mom and dad. They can't, they can't hardly do anything. Then around 10, 11 months, they learn to stand. So the legs are wobbling, but they're, they're standing. And then they try to step. And when they step, they usually fall. But day after day, nap time after nap time, they get back up and they do it again and again and again and again, and they keep persevering. What happens? Eventually their muscles get stronger, their balance gets better. And these, these little ones who could barely stand are all of a sudden doing gymnastics, they're playing baseball, they're playing basketball, they're swimming, they're dancing. Some, as they get older, are doing great athletic feats. Well, how did that happen? It happened, they, they took one step, and they took another step, and then they took another step, and they took another step, and all of a sudden, they, they kept going. Well, our faith is to be like that. When I met Jesus as a 19-year-old, I, I didn't know hardly anything about the Bible, his people, anything. And I just trusted in Jesus. I heard the good news of Jesus. I heard that salvation was found in Jesus. And I called out to him and I experienced it. And so I was very wobbly in my faith. Day after day, reading the Bible, being with God's people, being strengthened by the Holy Spirit, I kept trusting, I kept believing. And you get Strength. So verse 11 is this call to persevere. The problem is that sometimes we, we get wrecked as Christians. So I want you to picture, since we're in kind of the toddler mode today, picture those of you who like puzzles or building things, maybe elaborate Lego sets um, as children, and then you happen to have a, a little brother or sister or a little cousin who we'll just call them the Lego wrecker. So you, you've spent hours, maybe days, maybe weeks. You got your little desk, you got your little room, um, and then he or she just crawls their way in and just wrecks the whole thing, destroys it. Lego pieces everywhere. All your hard work obliterated. Well, one way for God's people to wreck the rest that God has experienced is for us to rebel against him, to disobey him. So he gives us this, this boundary of safety, which is his commands. Now, so we earn his favor, but because we have his favor. And we stay inside those bounds. We, we obey him by his spirit's power. We, we persevere. We, we experience joy. We experience rest. We experience peace. When we go outside of his parameters, it wrecks the peace. It's like the little toddler just wiping out the Lego set. The internal peace is gone doesn't mean you lose your salvation. It means your, your, your fellowship, your relationship with the Lord has been hindered by your rebellion and disobedience. And maybe for some of you, you've, you've called on Jesus, but you're, you're living this double life at times in your behavior. And so you're, you're wondering, why, why am I so just internally a mess? Well, part of it may be because you are not Believing God's word in the fact that it is for his good that he says no to certain things and yes 
to certain things and you've stepped outside of that and now you've, you're experiencing some of the, the consequences of that. See, to experience this rest, there, there really is this beautiful combination of faith and obedience, trusting and believing and then experiencing strength to actually do what he says we're to do. The last two verses we're going to look at in this section are all about God's probing word that, that will help us to, to see how we can, as followers of Jesus, really experience this rest as we respond to his word over and over and over again. So look at verses 12 and 13. For the word of God, the Bible, is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the divisions of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. See, one of the keys to experiencing persevering faith and internal rest and satisfaction that will enable us by the power of the Holy Spirit that, to get to that final day where we're with Jesus, we see him face to face, and all the, all the, the pain, the sorrow, the heartache, the, just the challenges of this life will be once for all gone. One of the, the keys is his word. And what's tricky about these subjects is it, it, I think we morph into works-based salvation really quick. You're saved by Jesus alone. He's given us his word so that we can know him. You remember I said when I was 19, I put my faith in Jesus, my, my faith was really wobbly. Well, what happened, especially that first year, is every night I would just read the Bible, especially the book of Proverbs. And I would read it over and over again. I didn't really know any, many Christians at all. So I'd pray, read the Bible. And the Bible would do what Hebrews is saying here. It would cut. It would convict. Okay, oh, well, I didn't even know that was wrong. So now that I know it's wrong, Lord, forgive me. I won't do that one again by your power. And, and you move on. And so what happened was I experienced this slicing and dicing from God's word that exposed my motives and rather than feeling condemned, I experienced more and more freedom. And so rather than my wobbly faith just continuing in its wobbliness, I was able to actually keep going forward and grow and be strengthened. I've heard, I forget who it is, but someone famous said about this verse that the, the Bible is the only book that reads us. It's the only book that reads us. So when you read the Bible, this is what, one of the things that helped me right away with the Bible to know, oh, this is really true. Um, it reads us. It, 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 it shows us our motives, our heart's twistedness at times. And God just surgically gets in there and changes and convicts and frees and, and gives us the ability to turn and repent of our sins and experience cleansing and washing and keep moving forward. See, God's Holy Spirit and God's word will help us to persevere. See, Jesus promises that we will make it to the end. 
But there is a difference in, in the quality of making it to the end. If you are in God's word regularly, if you're with God's people regularly, if you're humbling yourself regularly, if you're confessing your sins regularly, when, when you enter, when you make it to that final moment of your life, you, you'll come into God's kingdom, you'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant, and it will be a, this beautiful, joyful celebration. Now there's gonna be others that maybe were genuinely born again, but have been stepping in and out of obedience and disobedience so much that they're coming in really beat up and tattered into God's presence that final day. And the quality of that Christian life is nothing compared to this one. This one, there really is deep joy and satisfaction and internal peace and rest. This one... Maybe the whole run was just this messy, bald mess. Now, Jesus is, is a Savior. He's, he's merciful. And there will be those who come into heaven like that. And He will welcome them in because of His blood. But if you're in that, there's a, just a far better way over here. There's a far better way. There's a, 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 the Lord has way more life for you. Way more satisfaction. And when I was new in the faith and my, my faith was just wobbling and I was learning what it meant to obey and disobey the Lord, there were certain moments, particularly in that first year, there were some really clear things that I was doing that were clearly sinful that I'd, I'd have to be convicted by the Lord, often in meetings like this, and I would respond. I'd, I'd experience that internal conviction and I responded by the grace of God. And, and so there, this could be a day for some of you that th there's maybe a bigger turning happening right now. And that is a good and incredible gift from the Lord. And you want to respond to those moments. Do not stuff conviction. I, I, I've been in Christian circles for quite some time now, and I, I've seen at, in different church settings where, where people respond and humbly confess and turn and experience forgiveness and cleansing and change and they really truly repent and they, they, they go forward. And then there's others that, that just don't respond and, and, and are hardened like the first generation of the Israelites. And that's why the author is saying today, respond today to the Lord. This is much more about you and the Lord. And so I would urge you to respond to him. Let me just read the verses we started with. If you guys wouldn't mind standing, we're going to pray and then um, the band can come up as well. So the last first two verses start out this way. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us justice to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Let's pray. Lord, we want to be united with faith. Lord, we want to trust you. We want to believe your word and believe your promises. Jesus, thank you that you love us dearly. Lord, you love the most sin-entangled one among us right now. Lord, you are fully aware of them. You are filled with compassion towards them. 
and you are filled with power to free them. And we, we pray there would be freedom experience because of the shed blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. Lord, we pray lives would be different because you're at work right now. We ask that you would demonstrate your Spirit's power and love and conviction for your glory. And we ask this in your name. Amen.